You are listening to the Don't Think Act podcast with Ed Ismail. Welcome to the first episode of Don't Think Act. Today I chat to Catherine Moran, who acts across multiple mediums and disciplines. We share our love for Florence Pugh, the need for a creative community, and there's an audition story which has set the bar very high for future guests. Am I referring to you as Katie during this thing? Or, oh, yeah. Or, That's or, a good question. Or, or Catherine Moran, <laughs> actress extraordinaire. Oh, I still, you'd think I would have found an answer to this stupid thing. The thing, it, call me Katie, call me Katie, because that's my name. <laughs> I am having an identity crisis 24 <laughs> 7. Well, welcome, Katie. Welcome to the Don't Think Act podcast. Thank you for joining joining me this morning um on this horribly humid day mm. um so i just wanted to sort of have a podcast that might become a res- resource for some people out there for who are sort yeah. of like either just starting out or well, well wherever they are in their journey really i think you know we always get i'm like, obsessed with actors interviews like i yeah. was watching for hours i watch, and um I just was like, well, but no one's really talking to the people that aren't at the top end, that aren't yeah. successful, that aren't being like, oh, well, I could have chose this script, but I chose that one instead to do that film. And it's like, well, what about, you know, let's talk to people that are auditioning, let's talk to people that just get one or two jobs a year, let's talk to people yeah. who do different kinds of acting. Yeah, um, the reality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, not, not the 1%. Um, so I'm delighted um, to have you on here. I'm uh, delighted to be here. I think it's a great your, idea. Your I, I'm, I'm the same with you. I, I, I want to hear the real versions of things because, because mm. especially, and also British version of things because it's all it's it's all often quite American focused and yes. like classes in LA and New York, which is all great. But I'm like, okay, what about? I'm nowhere near those places. So how does it work over here? Yeah, no, great, good, good for you. Glad it's going well. It's a great idea. I can't wait to hear them. As you're aware, we're going to be talking about your acting journey, and I always start beginning. So, where were you born? I love that you start with where my full life story. I was born in Watford, Watford General Hospital, um, on the same day actually as a. Ian Beale had a child. Adam Woodyat was running around the hospital with my dad. It's our claim to fame. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Somewhere out there is Adam Woodyat's child born the same day I was. Don't know who this child is. But, um, yeah, Watford General is where I came out of my mum. <laughs> and is that where you grew up? Yes, until I was about eight. And then we moved just a few miles up the road um crossed the border into Buckinghamshire Ooh. and did the rest of my school schooling there. But yeah, sort of northwest outside of the M25 is sort of the no man's land that I was in. <laughs> and um so what was it like growing up in sort of well you had a bit in Watford and a bit in and then you moved to Buckinghamshire. Was was the move something that you remember and did that shape? Oh yeah, that was huge. That was a big change. Um 
it was lovely growing up in both those places. It kind of was interesting because I feel like I had two different demographics that I sort of grew up around. So Watford is is less affluent than the area that we ended up in. And with that brought kind of very varied, on both sides, very varied characters in terms of, I don't know, I moved to Buckinghamshire and I sounded like the Artful Dodger. I still sort of do. <laughs> and I was and I was at school with people who did not sound like that and um knew about designers and I don't know, things that I just didn't know about. And so I remember that that difference being quite significant, feeling like, oh, I don't know what Jane Norman is. Jane Norman being the pinnacle of design, but like and Hollister, I remember being like, Oh, I don't know what all these people have these cool hoodies with these brands on, and I don't know what this means. <clears throat> on like Mufty Days. I'd wear like leopard print everything and other people would have like, you know, stylish things. <laughs> Whereas leopard print really was the stylish. But yeah, I it was a it was a, a, a really lovely, two lovely places to grow up in, like green spaces. And I went to dance classes locally in both the areas in Pinner and then in Chorley Wood. And that was where I sort of started getting a sense of, well, dance and performance is where I sort of started so yeah they were very formative years definitely great and um so how and when did acting first come to you I went to a drama class when I was about 10 because again it was local in the village hall um and I don't know I think it was my mum who had got like just sort of decided to put me and my sister in it um but I didn't consider that acting I kind of thought it was because yeah I just did these classes on a Monday (laughs) and they were brilliant I loved them but they were with my friends and it was lots lots of games and wink murder and just running around a village hall being ridiculous I didn't really think of it as acting and it wasn't till probably I was a teenager that I understood oh acting is a job but I'd always thought of drama as something different, drama classes. But yeah, kind of from about 10 years old, I got a sense of like, oh, this is a yeah something that you can do. So did you feel like you were a creative person at that point? Is creativity a part of your life? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, yes, I was always loud. So that, so channeling that into, yeah, something useful. We, I was always the child at like family gatherings where I would get all the children together and be like, we're doing a show or we're doing a dance. I was just obnoxious. I don't know why. Like no one had ever encouraged it. I was naturally like just noisy. And um, yeah, so creative. Like I was, all, yeah, I danced and I kept dancing until I was 18. So that was really my first creative outlet. And um, I was always into expressing myself in whatever way. Yeah got attention I suppose and and were you, are you the, were you the only member of your family that was creative or was anyone else interested in the no, arts m- well not the arts but my mum is the most she's so creative she has she has done so many different creative jobs in her life she she knits and sews she 
I can't even go through her CV, but she basically, I grew up with her doing loads, she had a room, which was like her craft room, and there would always be something random going on, like she would have started a seaweed business, she would be designing photo frames for babies, she would be like all these different random things, which I think was actually really helpful and she taught me to draw we would we would cut we would draw she would draw princesses and I'd copy her so like she was very handsy and very thinking outside the box and because she's had quite um a random trajectory of work she now is um an emotional freedom technique practitioner she does tapping and she's a therapist of sorts like she she mm. does she's in tons of different worlds but um she still is very crafty and very um yeah, very hands-on and she just loves making and I think that definitely kind of infiltrated then what we did we would have furniture at home that we'd all collaged on we'd rip up like shout magazines and mum would like be like stick them all on this table and we'd have this absolutely chaotic collage coffee table and be like ta-da <laughs> but it was great it was lovely yeah that definitely had an influence I think yeah and so when you decided um like acting was something you wanted to go into how did you go about getting training or experience well you mentioned the drama classes but you didn't yeah that was a bit early on wasn't it yeah that yeah that wasn't the that those ones probably weren't the way in I I the probably significant step was um I started taking classes at uh, 15 years old at the Jackie Palmer theatre school which was in High Wycombe and um and actually, again, that was my mum that had caught wind of that. I'd never heard of it. And she said, oh, there's one locally that maybe... Because it was getting to a point where I was really enjoying it, dancing and acting and singing. and But I just kind of did it in a very local, just mucking around way. And it was mum who was like, oh, maybe you can try it a little bit more seriously or see what this place is like. And Jackie Palmer had an agency attached to it for young performers and they've had the likes of making sure you've made well, you may have heard they've had the likes of James Corden go through them and Aaron Taylor Johnson and people who have gone on to oh and Eddie Redmayne I think went there like but um so I joined these classes and suppose and had my like first headshots hilarious um and that was I, I got a job I got a, I got a, an acting job for a Oxford um like educate like English educational video for like foreign students learning English and I had to just do a really simple scene of like I'm I'm going to the shop blah 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 blah. I don't know and um yeah that was my first sort of acting job (laughs) it was like oh I got paid some money to speak yeah so that was sort of it felt like a little shift into oh right this is a thing this is real so that's when it became sort of like a a, a viable option for you You thought you could yeah hope to make a career at, from I considered sort, it is, I was yeah yeah it, yeah it was definitely like oh this is cool I mean it was just like more like oh, I got paid to say some words like that's cool but at that point I still wasn't thinking this is where I'll end up for sure it was like it felt more just like a novel anecdote. <laughs> yeah. So so far, you've you've done a quite a variety of things performing wise. Like you've done screen, you've done stage, you do voiceover. Do you do you have a preference of where you perform? 
Or do you love it all? I do love it all. <laughs> I don't know if I've got a favourite. Um, no, I love them all for different reasons. I do say, yeah, because I, I have little happy places. In, like I say, being on set is a happy place. Being in the wings is a happy place. Mm. And, well, being in my booth, my booth is, you know, a glorified cupboard. So I don't know if I'd call that a happy place. It's a bit like the chokey, <laughs> the chokey but soundproofed. But I do still love the work. <laughs> the actual booth itself can get very hot. But, um, yeah, I, I love them all. I, and, and still, look, I've just come back from... I feel very lucky that I can still do bits of movement and dance. I've just come back. I've just choreographed a musical for two weeks. That's where I've been in Plymouth. And like, that was another reminder of, oh, this is a happy place too. Being in a rehearsal room and everyone's moving. It's literally, yeah, me telling people what to do again and they're all dancing. Like, yeah, they're all, I love them all because they're all different volumes sort of on, on performing different levels and different, connections um of reaching people and yeah I don't think I have a favorite I love them all and is this is this sort of variety is it like a necessity in a way is it like something unique because it's it's nice to be doing something different all the time you're not going from theatre job to theatre job screen job to screen job yeah you sort of mix it up is that I mean is that something you you managed to carve out for yourself or is it is it just happens that way well I know I mean I know I feel very very grateful that I have the variety like that's I think what keeps me trundling along to be honest because um we all know that no actor no actor I think at any level is employed all the time so being able to have different um areas that I can delve into or explore further or you know having just done a bit of dance maybe I'll hit up some you know people more in that industry to, to lay sow the seeds for future opportunities yeah I, I I do think it's a necessity if you want to keep making money in this industry to be um varied in your skill set but at the same time I feel like the industry does like to label a performer as a screen actor a theatre actor an actor and a voiceover artist like they live in very separate places in people's heads as well I know voiceover artists who are not actors and wouldn't want to consider themselves as actors um and equally actors who aren't voiceover artists but who might want to be like they're they're all kind of very individual in their own right but um and and the industry kind of wants to be able to put a label on someone as that um, I like to think that I can do them all well and kind of can proudly say like I am a this and a that and a, the next thing without someone going oh you're a jack of all trades and master of none <laughs> <laughs> the old the old saying yeah I like to think that there is transferable skills across them all yeah that, that allow you to be you know a, a well-earned creative in each space yeah it, just because you didn't do whatever train you haven't got whatever degree in goodness knows what demo uh, what industry that you can still say yeah but I can do that and, and it's just about 
allowing someone to get the, the opportunity to do that and prove that i think i think the landscape has changed in the way that people are more savvy now that it's not enough just to want to do what well not enough that's not that's no i'm going to rephrase that it's we don't all just want to be one thing anymore like there was a time where like you're an actor you're a writer you're a director you're a choreographer um or you're a theater director or you're a film director Mm -hmm. and and now like i think we we are learning that you can be you don't you don't have to be stuck in one place and you can be more and you can be more than one of those things if that's what you want to do um i act and i write um i write roles for myself exactly (laughs) because why should i wait for someone to give me these opportunities if i can Mm. go and try and create myself and i think um uh the creative these days is becoming more independent and less reliant on uh, you know, going back 20 years ago, um, there was a lot of people talking about, oh, just hanging around by the phone, waiting for the phone to ring. But I don't think that really happens anymore. I think people that are... No one calls on phones. Well, <laughs> there is that. No on one, phone. Yeah, no one uses the phone for that anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's more need to sort of go out there and, and, and network and make things happen for yourself and, and for other people and meet other people and this um i think in this country it's changing I, I feel like for a long time we were very very i mean the profession and the culture of being british is so apologetic um and so you know you just have to listen to hugh grant talk about it oh that into acting mm-hmm. oh we mm-hmm. well I, you know i've been walking around a long time i've never fallen into anything like that right um, right and it's it, uh, you know, you would you've gone to auditions. You would have worked hard, and um, but I think people are sort of aware that we have to work harder. But we have to. But there's a community as well, um, and that we need to be interested in what other people are doing and what other stories are being told. And maybe there's something in that that we can help with and we yeah. can um, add something to. Um, yeah. I think we're coming that's away coming away from. I'm only available. I'm only able to do this one thing or, or do this kind of style. Yeah. That was what I was going to say. There's two things you said there that I was like, yes and yes. I think actors make some of the best writers in terms of if you just are, you know, master of writing or master of directing, actually all of these disciplines feed into each other and can really inform a better version of directing or a better choreography because you've had whatever movement training, like all of it. I think is just enriches your practice. And the second thing you said about community is absolutely that we have to turn to our peers. There's so many of us. <laughs> and yes, there's a lot of work going, but there's also a lot of quote unquote competition and really community over competition is where you can create really great stuff and have equally hungry passionate people and talented people and make stuff happen like that I mean as an example um play that goes wrong is such a good example of a huge success story obviously not every show is going to do what that show did but they were a group of lambda students 
who were all like, we need to make something happen, took it to the fringe, and my goodness, what they've got, like four like spin-off shows now, and yeah, like, and they were all just people going, we need to make something happen. And and I like you, knowing you, knowing so many of my peers, I feel very lucky to have so many people who are driven and equally dreaming big and making things happen because ultimately that's what that's the work we want to do right whatever money or recognition might come that's all well and good but a day spent being creative is a win whatever level it's on so if you can do that with your with your group then that's even better so yeah big up katie i think that is so inspired that you said <laughs> community over competition. I'm mm-hmm. going to take that and run with that for the rest of my life. Please That's do. Beautiful. Um, and I hope everyone else does as well. Um, is there a piece of acting on stage or screen that you've, you've seen in the past that really like, blew you away? It was really like, <clears throat> yes, this to me is like, that's acting or that's inspired something lots of things yeah lots of things um oh gosh lots of things that I know there's one recently like the the first kind of image that just came to mind I I saw um Romeo and Julia at the Almeida a few weeks ago oh wow and uh yeah the um Oh my goodness, what's the director's name? What's her name? <laughs> I love her so much. Rebecca Frecknell. Rebecca Frecknell's um, show. And there was an actor in it. I think uh, Jamie Ballard, I want to say is his name. I'm not getting names all wrong. Jamie Ballard played Lord Capulet, played Juliet's dad. Hmm. And he there's a speech in the play where it, the, the father loses it um, about, uh, loses it at Juliet for not wanting to get married and it's always it's this sounds very like oh Shakespeare Shakespeare and he really he really did honor to the Shakespeare but like I've never seen actually I think a Shakespeare speech done where I've got it so much and it's and it was you got this sense of this man who like has worked his whole life to kind of it, it mattered so much to him to marry off his daughter and it's always been a really problematic scene because he like flings her around and it's this horrible abusive scene but it was a sign of good acting where I was like, wow, I really empathise. I really understand why you're so upset and abusive. <laughs> he did such a good job. It was really uncomfortable and painful. It was really good. So shout out Jamie Ballard. But I mean, goodness, there's such a list of things, good performances. I honestly don't even know where to start. <laughs> that's all right. That's yeah. great. That's interesting, though, because was it, is that? did you feel like there was a specific speech that you'd seen a lot that had been either done in, a, in the same way or, or, or that's the first time you saw it where, oh, someone's actually done something different with Shakespeare? Yeah, it felt, because the speech itself is always, and the scene has always been quite, for modern audiences and maybe older audiences, quite problematic to see a father really berating a daughter uh, and essentially on the grounds of you're not getting married at 13 years old like why are you b- betraying me <laughs> it's you know contemporary audience is going to go what an idiot like I'm not gonna of course I'm on her side but he just it was really messy and he spit flying everywhere and it really crescendoed it was such a he just did it so well and my goodness that was like about six weeks into the run and we just I saw it on a random Tuesday night 
And I remember thinking, like, you're doing a job well done. Like, really, the fact that you're still delivering that and it's so good. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was a combination of making it feel, something about it felt like I, I could really, I knew who that man was in today's society. I can imagine that person speaking like that today and it didn't feel archaic and you know traditional that was cool and um do you have any acting inspirations do you have any, is there anyone that's careers you follow or have you been inspired by or i well emulate yeah well i will say i am closely following and watching florence Pugh and oh, thinking aren't we all yeah <laughs> Isn't oh she God. amazing? Yeah, I'm love she's her the career. Love most her. exciting thing to happen to acting. <laughs> ever. She just shaved her head. I want to shave my head. Like yep. she's just so cool. Yeah, she, I I love her work. Really love her work, and it's I think it's the kind of work I'd want to do. It's it's varied. It's very messy, and yet she's so classy. It's yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. Um, and not one bad performance, not one no. terrible line read. Just, just I don't know. I just don't yeah, know. I watch I her know. and I think, how am I ever going to be that good? I know. <laughs> I'm I not. Know. She's, she's really, <laughs> it seems to be so natural for her. Like, and it, yeah, it really is. When I've seen her in interviews and then on screen, like it, it just seems like an extension of her. It feels, all of it feels like that's just her being her. It's really good. Um, so yeah, love Florence Pugh. Um, I mean, all the icons like Emma Thompson and Judy, old Dame Jude's like seeing and seeing the kind of and like, um, who's Professor McGonagall? What's her, what's her name? Um, <laughs> Maggie Smith, Maggie Smith, thank you. <laughs> but seeing their trajectory and seeing like how. It's a good, I mean, it's, it's maybe it's something that we could see happening more. Kind of, they started in theatre and seeing then how they've grown into these amazing screen careers. And, mm. and actually, I was gonna say, well, maybe it doesn't happen so much, but Hannah Waddingham is someone we've seen recently. I didn't even know she was a musical theatre performer before Ted Lasso and has this whole back catalogue of work that's like absolutely killer. And she's been smashing it for years. And yet, suddenly everyone's like, oh, you know, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. Um, but no, she's got like what an amazing career she's had, and and now presenting the Eurovision like again can do no wrong. Um, yeah, so I've got a few kind of female female icons to follow. I I, I love yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, Viola Davis. Oh my God, Viola <laughs> yeah. Davis. Viola Davis. Talk about someone else that never misses. I mean, yeah. My God. Yeah. All of these, these big, big stalwarts. And actually, I'd like to uh, uh, shout out to Margot Robbie because I used to watch her in Neighbours. I used to come at five thirty every night, Neighbours, and I remember thinking she was good. And my God, like she's really carved out a path for herself. And she's someone who was really really driven I don't know if you've heard how she even got her job in Neighbours she used to ring the casting office very regularly and say I'm in town she never was in town I, I don't know where they filmed whether it's Sydney or Melbourne whatever but she lived outside of these cities and would call and say I'm in town I'm just looking to see if there's any auditions going and they'd and she wouldn't get through and she wouldn't 
get further and then literally one phone call she got through and they were looking for to cast someone for the following week and was like oh actually if you're in town can you come in for this and she got in and she played Donna Donna Summer and um she was 17 like she but wow. she from the get-go was like I'm gonna get a job she yeah. so I kind of applaud her because I mean look at her now she's brilliant actor but also clearly very business-minded like she yeah. produced Barbie and she's gonna be dining out on that movie for a long time <laughs> yes done very well I still haven't seen it have um, you not know, oh, right. not at the time but I, I, I so want to I mean it just looks, yeah it looks marvelous and um yeah people are saying like it's having a it's it's having the same effects for women that uh Black Panther had for um for people of colour. That's an interesting and, yeah, uh, that's interesting. And, but what's interesting, I saw a really good uh tweet yesterday is because since then um Warner Brothers have now like greenlit another sixteen projects. Or well not well not greenlit, they're 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 developing sixteen different projects related to toys. No, <laughs> no. More Female-led yeah, films. literally, it's like we're getting a, toy. we're getting a Hot Wheels film. Was, I was like, I don't want a Hot Wheels film. Yeah, this was like written by a woman. It was directed by a woman. It's got mostly a female. Like, have you not? Yeah. Have you missed the point completely? That's so funny. Yeah, I saw you that know. too, and I didn't even have that thought. I was like, oh, a Bratz film, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I that is mad. I mean, I guess we'll see what comes to light with all of those. That's so funny. But yeah, I do see it. it. I mean, even just, oh, I, it does wait. feel like quite culturally significant, like one of those ones that you've got to see just to be like, yeah, I saw it at the time and it felt like this. Like, yeah, it's a, I, and it, I find it very interesting to see what men, how men interpret it and respond mm. to it as well, because obviously as a woman, there's certain things that really resonate and feel a certain way. But um, yeah, very clever film. I hope you enjoy it when you see it. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Um. But how did the COVID pandemic affect you creatively? Oh, gosh. I didn't see that question in the list. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how does it affect me creatively? Well, one good thing that came out of it was the fact that it solidified voiceover as a job and a business for me because mm. um, pre-COVID... I was running around doing lots of different things. I was a, I was a maze master at the Crystal Maze. <laughs> I was auditioning. I was doing bits of writing. I was working in a barrister's chambers. I was working at the Old Vic. Like I had uh, endless different things. And obviously COVID put a stop to everything, whether it was creative or um, sustaining creative things. And um, it made me have to push I had my voice reels recorded and had done a few voiceover jobs but it made me go okay got to try and make this properly work and um and long story short it kind of did work so yeah COVID was a, a nice it was a oh, I don't know I don't know what I think of COVID it's such a weird time it was so insular I moved back to my parents thinking I'd be there for I packed for two weeks because it was at the very beginning of COVID and I lived in a house of four and I was like, guys, I'm trying to record voiceovers. Can you not be on your Zoom meetings? Obviously, it wasn't going to work. I lived with four other like very corporate, regular jobs, solid people. And um, 
I couldn't be telling them not to have meetings because I was going to be making, I don't know, dolphin noises or whatever. So I went back to my parents thinking it was just going to be two weeks and it ended up being a year. And it was, yeah, that in itself on a personal and mental level was very, uh, a very big adjustment. (laughs) And yeah, I feel very happy to be kind of free uh, out of that horrible, I felt very, um, COVID felt like a very odd time for me. And yeah, creatively, I don't know. I did like all the kind of play read-throughs on Zoom that were happening in COVID though. I did actually quite enjoy that and just randomly connect with people and reading out plays. That was one thing I really did like. Um, Beyond that, I don't know how much I liked it. (laughs) How much I enjoyed COVID. I don't know if anyone enjoyed COVID. I don't think they did. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was was difficult. How was it for you? Um, Well... I moved during COVID. I Did left, you? I, I left London. Oh yeah, um, of course. And um, we—I mean, there was three of us. We're living in um, what became too small for house for three of us, and even smaller once um, we all were told to stay at home. And yeah. then two of us turned the dining room into an office because I was working from home. The funny thing about working from home is, like, usually, like, if you have a bad day at work, then you leave work and you go home. Yeah. If you have a bad day at work <laughs> at home, there's nowhere to go, especially during COVID. You've just had a bad day. So it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go lock myself under the stairs for an hour <laughs> and just scream into this pillow. Yeah, um, yeah you know, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was hard. And then, and then we moved and, and we came away from London, and that was that was hard for me because um, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to anyone. Um, yeah, and I left true. like a network of people behind of peers and friends and creatives who a variety of people I would meet up and I'd collaborate with or like you say do play readings or do work yeah. in progress stuff or be like oh I've written this thing or I've got an idea for this let's get together and do this or you know and um, moved away uh, uh, don't know anyone and um, having, having to start that again yeah. um, which is fine and that's life and it's all about <laughs> adapting and I think like concurrently along with your own life and your creative life i think you know it's adapt and change adapt and change adapt and change. yeah um, yeah it's the it's, it's the only way you can't you know and this business it does change all the time um which we'll get into a bit later when it comes we'll talk about casting and what people mm, are looking yeah. for but now obviously you know self-tape is a thing now just all the time um you know, yeah. started self-taping years ago, just as a sort of like, oh, this company would like self-tape if you want it, don't have to come in. And now it's just like, yeah, it's just self-taping now. Yeah. And um, that was an interesting thing to adapt to because it's like, oh, so I'm now not an actor. I now have to be a filmmaker because I now have to film yeah. and edit. I need to find someone to read. Yeah. And a director and um, a and, lighting and designer. Who am I going to get to read? Uh, my mum or my wife? um yep. who you now ha- and now you're directing them and now you're yep. being like oh no can you just can you just read the words and not stop acting <laughs> all right can you not just read the words can you just act a little bit <laughs> can you not yeah. look at me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah and you know all the all the fun and the fair and actually i, I think self-taping is a positive thing and I've, i have grown to love it and i have i do think it's good for for people that don't have to travel miles and miles and spend so much money on train tickets coming from anywhere outside of London to be in London, because apparently that's the only place where stuff gets made. Yeah, um, right. And it's it's so you know 
for people with caring commitments, um, whether it's children or, or, or you know people are looking after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a, there is a real plus point to it, I think. Yeah, and I have yeah. yeah I have got on board with it, but there is sort of a bit of an unfair advantage of it of putting a lot of the work, a lot more of work onto onto your jobbing actor. Hey, Tima. Hello. What part of acting do you love? This might sound a bit strange, but I love the ability to trick my body and others into experiencing something real that isn't real. So getting the chance to go somewhere in a safe way emotionally does that sound that sounds very broad I just love the the that you can experience all spectrums of things just with your imagination essentially and a bit of mind trickery and good delivery and affecting someone's breath or whatever you know what I mean like I love the kind of the spectrum that it gives in a very safe way I think that's what I love and sharing that with other people it feels very exciting to be able to do that yeah and is that a wanky answer I don't know no no not at all <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious the effect that you're talking about because you you said you mentioned your own body and an audience yeah so, uh, is it so is it the shared experience of we're all investing in this world we're creating and you're coming along for the ride um so is it is it the shared experience is it um and is it the effect that you're having on maybe a scene partner or that the scene partner is having on you or that you're having on an audience or is it all of those things yeah it's all of that yeah it is a shared experience and it's sort of like surrendering to imagination I mean it is literally child's play isn't it it's it's everyone agreeing we're all pretending we're doing this Hmm. and when you get when adults do that that's just mint that's just great and 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 yeah allowing like it's obviously acting isn't therapy but it's very therapeutic it's very healing to let your body whether it's you know deep grief or ecstatic joy like to allow your body to go to those places organically your body so your body doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not so if you if your body's experienced something physically it doesn't it's your cognitive brain that says this is this is real pain or this is you know danger or so in that way that's why I say it has to be safe a safe practice but at the same time like that's you you get to experience the shades of living and your body doesn't know any different you know what you what you do feel is isn't fake isn't pretend it's it's very um very real and like how cool to call that your job (laughs) and and yeah share that with other people like and that's why you know I do think actors and creatives have bonds with their co-workers as it were that are way deeper than Mm. you know Bob and Greg sitting next to each other in IT like this is it's very innate human stuff that you get to do together and and that's 
very special. So yeah, and that's what I love about acting. I, I think it's a proper and it, yeah, it's playing. It's you get to be silly and yeah, I love that. I love that. So what part of acting do you not love? Oh, where do I start? Um, what do I not love? Depends if you're talking about like the craft or the business, because the we all know the business is pretty brutal, <laughs> pretty relentless, and requires huge amounts of resilience to keep picking yourself up from rejection or or not even rejection just silence a lot of the time that's half the battle is not to be deterred by it feels like you might be screaming into a void and absolutely no one is responding at least with rejection you've got a response right when there's silence I think that's even harder and those kind of tumbleweed months where it's like golly where am I going what what am I doing with this um that's hard but I don't know actually now if I hate that like I've that that's I've accepted that that is the reality of the job so weirdly now rejections don't depending they don't feel as heartbreaking as maybe they once would have done because I'm like that's the job that this is also part of the job as much as doing a job is you know acting is part of the job and being rejected is part of the job um I don't know whether to go into like some of the practices I hate, like some of, I, I think I do hate the kind of silence that is received. And I understand that from, I'm talking about like if a casting director or a director, if someone on the other side of the table doesn't kind of acknowledge an actor's audition or or, or not even audition, like email, <laughs> like I, I understand it's a busy world and we're all busy, but sometimes that can be a bit frustrating feeling not very that there's a hierarchy of care and if you're not in a certain level then you're not acknowledged or you know someone is too busy to talk to you or that I don't love but then again maybe that's the same in other industries I don't know maybe the CEO isn't going to respond to the work placement person I don't know business talk corporate I don't know how it works <laughs> well having having worked in both fields mm. um I, I think I think it is the same I think higher-ups and gatekeepers and the one percent mm. and the elite yeah don't have time don't want to make time um not looking to see how they can make more time yeah I think things are changing um particularly cast I think casting directors have changed in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think people are, uh, are trying to give more feedback when they can. Um, yeah. I think, um, but I also think there's a, there's an element of like, and I said this on another recording with someone else, with another one of my guests, which was that, um, so I don't know what's happening to my voice. And so I'm getting very <laughs> emotional. <laughs> I've got a frog in my throat. That's right. I shouldn't have <laughs> that Ribena. Get that Ribena down, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh, that's my doorbell. And that's my post. Oh, no. Excuse me. You're all right. Right, great. <laughs> Still leave it there. 
<clears throat> and that was a cameo of a postman on the podcast for a while. Um, where I was like, yeah, I think I think now sort of the landscape of casting has changed, but they are trying to give feedback. But I also think uh, actors also think yeah, if, they, if they don't get the part, then it's because they're not talented. And I think you don't you don't get given the opportunity if they don't think you have something to offer. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it starts so extensively casting in, in with with such a huge pool of people for such a small part. They'll be looking at five hundred actors, and mm-hmm. if you get an opportunity, whether you're going in in person or you're getting to put yourself on tape, like it's it's a win. It's uh, you know, yeah. it's, this is a numbers game, and um, there are so you know, yes, competition is is rife and it's high and it's it's, it's hard, but like an audition is a win. Um, it's uh, it's an opportunity to perform, yeah. and um, like remembering that that's that the love of performing, the love of acting, is what got you into it. So if you can try, it's not. I mean, it's, it's very easy for me to say it mm-hmm. because it's not like I don't go through times where I'm like, yeah. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, I, I quit every week, um, <laughs> but it's also something I will never leave because I just I don't want to do anything else yeah Um, but this is the thing like I know a lot of actors who feel the same in terms of acting has become so self-tape focused and so self-generated that it's it's as I say brutal like it's so hard to keep yourself motivated and and that's where actually I think having a variety of whether it's creative outlet or not, if you've got another focus in your life, another, whether it's even your dog, like something that is like, okay, this is also important and I don't need to invest all my self-worth and energy into this one thing, I think is what allows the ball to keep rolling and not to go oh my goodness, another tape where I just am speaking to no one. I mean, I can't remember the last time. I'd honestly have to think about the last time I went into a room for a first round audition. I I don't, I think it's been years, honestly. Like, yeah. And that's sad. Like that was so much part of the job, like Mm. meeting people. (laughs) And and it's become very isolated and very self-starting. And that is, um, that's hard. That's, that's a, a very different beast to what then acting is, which is all about being with people and interacting with people. Yeah. I mean, my wife, Lou, is not in the industry whatsoever. <laughs> you you haven't it. managed to get her in yet after all these <laughs> years of tapes. She, fi- she finds it, um, she finds it balmy that there isn't um, in-person auditions. Because she's like, okay, so you're a really good actor and you do the part really well. What if you've got a BO problem and you have to work with people for three months? Like, they're not going to know that, are they? (laughs) BO, guys. You're not thinking about BO. Yeah. There's so many things that you can't tell on a tape. Yeah. You can't, you can't get to know someone. You can't, Mm. uh, you also can't redirect someone. I mean, I've, I've had a, I've had a, a, during, um, during COVID, I got to the final two for for an advert Mm. and my recalls were on Zoom. Yeah, and then it was really odd because like I had a panel of like faces in front of me on a laptop redirecting <laughs> me, and it just felt really weird. Yeah, because it, obviously yeah. I have to stay within a frame as well. Um, whereas if I was in person, it wouldn't matter too much if I got out because they they would have been there and they would have <laughs> yeah. seen me. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah. and it was just it was just really interesting and really really odd and yeah. um and and it was all it was cold as well it was quite cold the whole thing mm-hmm. um yeah just so bizarre yeah I hear you. <laughs> so you mentioned something about doing something else not like is there something that you take joy in that you love that is not remotely connected to the industry that, that keeps you safe oh. or creativity that's not yeah loads um the one i say this all the time people say shut up about it but i i love spanish <laughs> i love the language and i love spanish culture it was what i was going to study at well at 18 when it was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Am I going to get into this acting thing or not? My other alternative was there was a great Spanish and drama degree at Bristol. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a bit of me. And so language, I think generally is something I love. And yeah, I try to keep up my Spanish in whatever ways I can. But again, that's on the front. That's the basis is connecting with people. I think ultimately I love, I'm quite an extrovert social. Like I love meeting people. I love different cultures. I yeah so anything like that excites me and the other very broad subject that I love is history and so I've bought a book recently um a little walking tours book of London that has lots of nice little yeah yeah so I've done a few of these little walks these little guided walks um maybe I'll bring you on one I've got still got a few to get get off my list but um yeah seeing I love London and these little tours take me on down streets I'd never go um, but history is the other general topic that I take a lot of joy in. And it's sort of my, I mean, I can see how they kind of all are of a similar ilk in terms of its stories and its, yeah, uh, people and fantasy, imagination. But um, yeah, I like, I, and then to be honest, exercise, kind of move my body, I find very useful for clearing my head and, feeling feeling like the flow is going like yeah definitely whether it's sort of more gentle like yoga pilates actually no pilates is hard pilates nah don't pilates is really hard uh having a little stretch or having a little bounce around like I do find really useful I try to do that most days um yeah and then like chocolate (laughs) (laughs) maybe chocolate (laughs) maybe like cake (laughs) (laughs) it's my passion (laughs) have you got have you got a funny or cringeworthy audition story oh ed so many (laughs) oh my god um so many i was just oh yeah okay I've got well just, the one that just came to my where I felt oh bad I accidentally kicked a child in, in the head <laughs> that was bad that was quite bad hang on hang on it wasn't on. my fault <laughs> it you was bad the, you kicked a child uh, in, the, in yeah, the head yeah and like a little child probably about three she was <sighs> actually was she, anyway it was, was she it asking was a, for it she started it it was a, it was a commercial audition and it was in one of those studios where it was so cramped and packed and there were like, I can't even remember what it was for, but I was there with heeled boots on, awful. And um, <laughs> yeah, and they were, they were casting toddlers for this same casting. So all the parents and children, it was just chaos. Everyone running around this tiny little waiting room. And I just, I, I 
I don't know, I lent, I lent, I can't remember why I lent, I lent across to a windowsill, but why would I be doing that? I don't know. I lent to get something, and you know when you lean and you stick your leg out to kind of balance yourself? So, like, I lent and stuck my leg out and literally went bang into this child. Of course, she burst into tears. But fortunately, her dad came up and was like, oh, she's so silly. Like, he, he was, he wasn't annoyed at all. He was like, oh, she's running around. I was like, yeah, yeah, literally, like, feeling awful and this is before the audition so I went in like hello and I think that was actually you know what I remember now that was for a supermarket commercial where you had to play I had two carrots and I was playing the drums the whole thing was ridiculous anyway <laughs> but the actual casting was I was having to be there like da, 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 with two carrots anyway and I kicked the child before and, I, and it really upset me that I'd done that and then walked in playing carrots yeah so that was one that just came to mind that was absolutely sums up the absurdity of this and then the other one I've got one that's quite good I'll try and tell it short because it's quite a long one it was one of my very early auditions and I was it was when I was with Jackie Palmer and I was 16 and it was for it was another commercial actually commercial castings are normally the most ridiculous aren't they and this was for Kinder Bueno and for some reason, the advert was a teenage daughter sunbathing and her dad is cutting the grass. Don't know what that's got to do with Kinder Bueno. Anyway, so I was like, oh, OK, I've got to um, I've got to be in a bikini for this audition. And as a 16 year old, you're already a bit like, oh, God, let alone like in front of adults and then someone who's going to be playing your dad. So I was like, OK, I'm good. I've got to make myself look nice. So I fake tanned. So I'll, I'll be fake tanned because I'm very Irish pale skin. Like I was like, that, those those studio lights are not going to do me kindly. I need to fake tan. So I fake tanned. And then <laughs> I don't know if I should be telling this. It's a bit TMI. And then I was like, oh, no, the fake tan has made my snail trail, like my belly button hair look quite dark. So I was like, OK, I've got to sort that out. <laughs> So I was very new to this whole thing. I was like, okay, I'll get some. My mum had some bleach, and I was like, okay, I'll bleach. I'll bleach my belly button trail. So I did that. Like la la la. Like this will all be great. This is the day before the audition. Did that. Wiped it off, and was like, oh no, the bleach has taken off the tan. So now I've got this white stripe going down from my belly button. Like not a good look. I was like, oh, Shiza, what am I going to do now? So I was like, okay, no, no problem. I actually went to my mum. I was like, look what I've done. She's like, no problem. Crafty Christine. She's like, I'll cut out. She got the back of like a Cheerios box and cut out the like stencil from wh- where it was bleached. And we just fake tanned that bit again, like just the little white bit. And it looked nice and even. So it's like, great. I'm all one colour. This is good to go. <laughs> went into the audition the next day. And yeah, you have to get changed into your bikini in the, in the disabled loo. And we got given these like, bath towel with robes like a dressing gown got paired up with our dads and then went into the audition took off my dressing gown and I don't know what had happened but essentially I'd done you know like in in friends when Ross gets all the tan on one side and he's like I'm an eight yeah that had happened on that square so now I had a really dark stripe where I'd done two layers of tan on my stomach and I was just like hello my name is Katie and it was just humiliating and then I had to sunbathe on 
chairs that are like regular office chairs you, very uncomfortable trying to make out oh I'm so comfortable sunbathing and dad's mowing the lawn next to me in my bikini the whole thing was very traumatizing um but it didn't put me off totally clearly <laughs> but I remember being like oh, I don't know how people do this like being in the spotlight I don't know how how women cope but um yeah so that was another few faux pas there's been many 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 more but um wow that's enough about my hairy belly button for one for one chat that's (laughs) more more than more than i could have asked for yeah sorry about that sorry um i mean i mean that is cringe and hilarious but there's also something quite like did you say you were 16 16 at the time like so uh, you know a, a 60 16 year old we were going to a an audition, yeah. having to be in your bikini, being paired up with someone you meet for the first time, just being your dad. Like, and the context of the advert just seemed weird. It was all weird. weird. Yeah. Like, What's it got to do with the chocolate bar? Written by a man, clearly. <laughs> Very much so. Um, like, what? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, that's quite creepy, Ooh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, lots of that's questions. Really yeah, lots of questions raised, for sure. I mean, I don't think they, oh, I'd like to think they do that right they don't I, ask I, people to audition in sort of underwear and bikinis and yeah. things like that. I think that's I feel like that's I, stopped yeah I mean I'm sure for modeling jobs for bikinis or underwear but like sure I I don't I don't think yeah but then again I don't know if they need to see someone's body I guess it's just a bit stranger when it's a 16 year old I think yeah that's and did you go did you like, go on your own yeah, I did. Actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I did, yeah. Brave, very brave. <laughs> I, I think a lot of, yeah, not brave, naive, don't know. I think <laughs> a lot of naivety is coming to a lot of places I've ended up in my life. But yeah, anyway, didn't get the job, so all good. <laughs> well, that brings us to a very good question. What, what do you know now that you'd wish you'd known when you started? Other than don't use fake tan. Yeah, don't bleach. Yeah, don't bleach over fake tan and then fake tan again. Um, also, don't shave your toes. That's another one I learned. Um, oh, and also, yeah, if you've got curly toes, you're not going to be a foot model. I've got curly toes from all the years of dancing. And um, <laughs> that's another stupid story. But yeah, I didn't. I tried to be Cinderella's foot double. It, yeah, anyway, they said, can you straighten your toes out? Stop scratching up your toes. And I was like, these are my curly toes. Um <laughs> What would I, what do I, mm, like the cliche of like it, well, I think something I'm still learning is that it takes time. Mm -hmm. Like I've been doing this kind of on and off, I guess, since I was 16. That's well over a decade and, and that people's, journeys are all very different and happen at very different speeds and I think there was a time where there was a real I felt a real pressure to be something by a certain age or have achieved a something at a certain age and I just that's not how it goes at all and actually I sometimes feel quite grateful that maybe things are going slower and steadier because I've seen it happen the other way where someone gets something really big or really good very quickly and then they're not so used to life when it's not that, when that stops and when it's back to kind of, oh, the life in between jobs, like what? how do I cope? Hmm. So I think knowing if I 
knew that it was very much about slow and steady, that that would be helpful. And also a bit like I wish from a younger age, I hadn't been so afraid to kind of break the rules a bit, uh, meaning I always thought you had to do things the right way and in the right order, like being told you should be Catherine, not Katie. I took that as, you know, okay, you, like you must know. And actually, if I, I, some young people I see now are very naturally, you know, doing their own thing and, and not listening to what they have to do in or the person they have to be or the image they have to fill. I, I wish I'd got to a place where I could push my agenda and be not think I have to listen to the rules. I think sooner in turn, because I think if you think you're having to play this game by rules and doing things right, it's you it's a losing game because there is no game, there is no rules. It's all very unpredictable, very much luck-based and work-based, and there's no point restricting yourselves with thinking you have to do things the right way or a certain way, because being yourself and putting yourself out there in your own way, true to yourself cliche, is gonna be more beneficial I think yeah I think I kind of restricted myself in even in the way I was acting like thinking I had to be a certain look or speak a certain way I, I don't know yeah that I don't know if again that sounds a little bit cliche and cheesy Not but like Not yeah don't play by the rules don't be afraid to just do what you feel is right hmm. And is there, a, is there like a best piece of acting advice or direction you've ever received that, that you hold on to or that, that you remember? I remember I had a teacher who said um, good acting is about affecting the audience's breath. Mm. That, that sometimes comes back to me. Um, because... I think that's quite definitely with live theatre. That's more um, within your remix. You can actually get a sense of the audience. But yeah, the that it's all you know, acting's all based on our natural rhythms, like our heartbeat and how we receive information. How the audience, both the actors in a scene and the audience, is receiving this information. So tapping again, don't know what the secret source to it is, but tapping into that organic receiving of information and delivering of information is a way to really affect an audience truly and like we all have had those moments in the theatre where you like you can feel everyone is in that same rhythm that same place of tension or laughter and yeah that that's proper magic harder to do on screen obviously but um, but yeah, it all all comes back to the breath, baby. All down to the breath. And is there a is there a piece of acting that you're particularly proud of that you've done so far? Yeah, uh, yeah. The, I I did enjoy um, giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> on call the midwife <laughs> oh yeah that, that was um I really enjoyed that because um the actual birth birthing scene so I did many scenes but the actual birthing scenes 
was like a real example because we shot that it was about three hours of of what is on screen 30 seconds like less than and had to keep being in labor and I actually really enjoyed it because it felt like a real example of like this is the job of you know rinse and repeat start again keep the energy up and and being able to portray such like an epic thing as giving birth like it was a real oh like a real privilege really like and really enjoyable so and it looks I think fairly I think I, I sold it all right like on screen my dad went oh so I think that's a win <laughs> he was convinced amazing um, yeah, I was I was really proud of that, and and being on Called Midwife was a, a really lovely milestone. Again, mainly for family to be able to. My nan was so chuffed, and like being able to share that with her was really, like that was really special. Um, and actually, then the, I'm very proud of this year. Our lovely friend Tom Hartwell, the play I got to do with Tom, I was yeah. I was really proud of what we achieved there we were such a small team and I think he's written such a good play and I think we did it uh, we did it justice I think I really enjoyed it really enjoyed it and um yeah to do a two-hander was a proper treat and in a very intimate space you talk about affecting a, an audience's breath I could literally I could I was basically next to people hearing their breath in that one like I could really yeah that, that I was really proud of that actually I really enjoyed that this year and I'm, I'm hopefully they'll be more. I know. Well, hopefully, I don't want to speak too soon, but there's yeah. a good chance there'll be more of it down good. the line. So, good. Yeah, I hope get, so. Get you along, please. Yeah, I think you'd like it. And is this, is there something that you'd like to achieve that you haven't yet? Is there something you're reaching for? Yes, tons. <laughs> I want. <laughs> I. I want to be, I mean, a, a slightly kind of basic, I, I'd like to be on a, I haven't done any Netflix or Amazon show and it feels like, gosh, that's a really, I want to be on something on Netflix or Amazon. That's sort of like okay. a no-brainer. Um, but, <sighs> yeah, there's loads. I just want to keep working on the best projects with the best people. Hmm. I'd love to do, There's. I have an image in my head this is my sort of vision again it's very cheesy but being on a, a carpet for a premiere and like being asked a question about a project like that would feel like oh okay like you care about <laughs> what I'm that would be an, a really nice indicator of like oh this is a great piece of work and and I've been recognized as part of that piece of work like that's that that's a nice like image I have in my head of that would be lovely to have one day and I tend to go around saying, I'll see you at the BAFTAs in 20 years. Like, I'll see you at the BAFTAs in 20 years. Ed. Like, we're all maybe sooner than 20 years. To be fair, 20 years is actually quite a far. Yeah, it's going to be sooner than 20 years. So, yeah, there's lots of, I think, kind of cliche milestones that, that would be lovely. But also, I feel like I can't hold on too tightly to certain things like that because I know the reality of the pace of this industry and, and how many people are there. So I kind of just hope I keep having fun and keep mm. meeting people. Traveling for work would be lovely. Going to see different places would be lovely. But um, yeah, ultimately just staying open. But yeah, I'll see you at the BAFTAs. I'll see you at the BAFTAs. See you on the premiere carpet. Yeah, all that sort of thing. <laughs> Katie, you've been such a joy to interview. <laughs> and, you know, if there's anything I'm taking away with this, the you know community over 
competition. Yeah. And um, not bleaching certain hair. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's been wonderful listening to your journey. And yeah, I can't look, I'm wait. full of advice. I can't wait to see <laughs> what you're going to do next. Thank you, Ed. Thank and, you. It's um, really nice to chat. It's, it's nice it's to reflect brilliant. on it all. I, I, um, I'm going to end this in, uh, in a way um, with um, 10 quick fire questions. Oh, God. Um, which uh, were created by uh, the famous French interviewer Bernard Pivot, who inspired my favourite interviewer, James Lipton, who used to do Inside the Actor's Studio. Ah. And that's how I'm going to end all these podcasts. Oh, brilliant. Oh, my goodness. I'm terrified. Okay. So, Katie, <laughs> what is your favourite word? Happy. What is your Wait, do, do I have to do I answer quickly? Is it about quick? Yeah, okay. Well, it's can about I, it's the first, have a first thing that comes into your head. <laughs> Okay, cool. That's a great word. Happy. Yeah, it's happy. So no, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Whatever comes into mind. Okay. What's your least favorite word? Blue. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Peace. What turns you off? Ego. Hmm. What is your favorite swear word? Fuck. <laughs> that's, that's such a funny question. What sound or noise do you love? Laughter, giggles. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, uh, crying babies, um, squeaky, squeaky, like ee, anything, anything like that. Nails, yeah, ee, squeakies, squeaky noises. Squeaky. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? A, um, like a, a, a tour guide or, or a translator. <laughs> or a translating tour guide. Yeah, translating tour guide. A, a Spanish tour guide. <laughs> yeah. What profession would you not like to do? I have so much respect for teachers and doctors, and I don't think I could do it. And your last question, Katie, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, no, I'm going to cry. Um, like, let's party. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Come on down. Let's have a good time. <laughs> Those are great. If God's saying, come on down, that kind of implies something else. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I um, wanted to say, what are you doing up here? Get downstairs. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the Don't Think Act podcast. Is there anything you want to plug? Oh, mum, I don't think so, actually, at this stage. I suppose, depending when this comes out, keep an eye out for a play called Mindful, written by Tom Hartwell. It should be... Um, receiving new life imminently um but beyond that uh yeah for all your voiceover needs just hit up katherinemoran.co.uk i suppose wonderful <laughs> if you um if you send me a spotlight link later i'll put it in the show notes oh cool um but this has been such a blast thank you so much yeah thank you this is so fun thanks so much ed for thinking of me I, it's like proper joyful well, good luck with all the rest i can't wait to hear them really
you're going to deal with lots of mad people unless maybe they're more normal i don't know this was this was so good yeah i really enjoyed this this is brilliant um this is wonderful thank you for giving up your time i really appreciate it no it's joyful i really those quick five (laughs) i think i I started i was asking too quickly at the beginning but oh well my least favorite word is blue apparently but there you go (laughs) don't know don't know but this is the point don't think don't think don't Don't think just say whatever's in your head absolutely (laughs) there you go you'll be pleased to know that since recording i've now seen barbie and i loved it Thanks to Katie for being an inspiring first guest. Community over competition should be an actor's mantra. Shout out to Katie's mum for creating such a lovely human. And a shout out to that poor kid that she kicked in the head. I shall see you at the Baptist, Katie. If anyone else has got a funny or cringeworthy story that they would like to send in, please email don'tthinkactpodcast at gmail.com. You can type it in, you can send a voice note, and of course you can remain anonymous. If you want to be a guest, please email that same email address with a bit about yourself and your relevant link and uh, let's get chatting soon it'd be great to talk to you until the next time stay creative